I always forget that we're not doing the the soft open anymore. After all this, after months of campaigning, I forgot that we're not we're doing a cold open now. Mm-hmm. But now there's so much. Wouldn't pressure. it be cold and warm rather than cold and soft? Yeah, I guess you're right. So I forgot that we're doing the cold open, not the warm open. Exactly. Hard open and not the soft open. Right. It really, in the end of the day, I just want to be in your soft embrace, and that's all I care about. Why are we go? Why are we back to soft again? All right, sir. So it's been two weeks. Uh, do we have any follow up? We have a, a follow up item, uh, which I've been meaning to get to for a while because we were doing it every week at one point, and Jim pointed out two weeks ago. Don't look now, but Mike is only thirteen hundred followers behind Casey. Mm-hmm. To it, I would like to point out that as of today, I am I am one thousand and eighty six. I'm closing in or bringing that down to a three digit number. It's this is a slow climb, but yeah. it's I'm still making inroads. That's impressive and sad because it's only a matter of time before you're better and cooler than I am, Mike. You've had this. We've had this joke going on between the two of us for a very long time. Though. Yeah, it's true. I remember us having this joke when I was still employed. Really? It's been going yeah. on that long? Yeah, because that was when I started sending you the emoji balloons. God, it was that long ago. Aye. Yeah, I remember doing that at my desk at work the first time I sent you, what was it, like 15,000 balloons or something? I remember it happening. I just didn't realize it was that long ago. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Yeah, I'm sitting at a little over 18,000, and that means you are, what, a little over 17? Is that right? Just crossed. Mm-hmm. I should send you 17,000 luft balloons. Do you even know how you would do that? How you would go about doing that? Yeah, workflow app. Duh. I think I sent a million to someone once, and <laughs> things got things got real bad on all sides. That's uh, not surprising. Yeah, so uh, I don't think we're going to do this every week because uh, it's no, we're not. Boring, we'll leave but, it again for a while. Now. Yeah, but uh, we are right on the edge, kids. Right on the edge. If that edge was really far away and it was going to take us maybe another two years to I get, I don't know, to the man. Edge it's it's a big difference. It's it's like going down one of the steps or up one of the steps depending on how you look at it when you cross into triple digit from thousands to hundreds yeah but the it going like you know 200 in the last two weeks there again there have been like things that have happened to me in the last two weeks that have given big bumps you know it's like all that apple pencil stuff and all Mm, that mm -hmm. that that was a big bump there was like quite quite a big bump over the last couple of weeks. So. Speaking of, uh, how many old fashions did you have once you heard that news? Uh, I have no old fashions. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm waiting for it to be back in to release. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. J- I just want to wait and see now. Yeah, no, how it, it actually be, uh, comes out. It should be exciting. So, uh, for the most part, I do all the show notes for ATP. Uh, Marco will do edits here and there, and sometimes we'll contribute here and there. But generally speaking, I do the show notes. And uh, I couldn't bring myself to do hashtag Mike was right, but you immediately noticed the bone that I threw you in the show notes from a week or two ago, which was hashtag Mike was victorious. I read the ATP show notes as soon as I see the episode come out. Mm-hmm. I want to see if I'm in the episode. Mm-hmm. What can I say? It's the kind of person I am. Yeah, that's right. We're all like that. It happens every now and then, so it's nice to see it. Yeah. Oh, well, you don't want to be surprised, though? Uh, well, yes and no. I mean, in that instance, I actually just went ahead and listened to the episode immediately, like that <laughs> part of the episode immediately. Of course you did. Oh, my goodness. Um, and completely unrelated, but I just remembered... Congratulations for being the 67th coolest top UK tech person, something or other. I wish I had this in front of me. I didn't think of it until just this moment. But uh, you are 67th in a list of 100. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was what we were referring to last week. So I was aware of there being a party last week um, that I was invited to that was to honor the 100 coolest people in technology in the UK. And I ended up being on that list. I was number 67 on that list. So, yeah. So I'm really excited for you. Um, genuinely, uh, it, it's it's yeah. been a couple of weeks and we've talked about it a lot, which is why I may not sound like truly overjoyed because it's like, oh, psh, that's been two weeks ago. He's been a he's an award winning Mike Hurley now. Well, this is one of those things. This is in all seriousness. This is 
an interesting aside um, in the idea of how things are things are fleeting. Mm-hmm. Like this is just a thing that happened that we know happened now, and it just that's it. <laughs> and it's I'm, done. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm honored, genuinely. I was honored to receive the honor, uh, and it felt fantastic. I was, I had one of those like real emotional days, you know. But now it's just like that was a thing that happened a week or so ago, and and now we all know that it happened, and that's it, and we all move on. And it is really interesting, and I think anybody can can appreciate this of any kind of achievement that you receive in your work. Uh, eventually it's just it goes away because you just get back on with the work again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of sad, really, because you know you've been talking about this for a couple of years now, and I don't, and I don't mean that to be flippant. I'm just saying you've had it on your on your list that you want to um, receive professional recognition, right? And you finally have, and and that's awesome, and it should be celebrated. But you're right; it's like, all right, well, that's a thing. Moving on, which it shouldn't be. It's exciting. Yeah, so I write it down and I put it in my day one so I can look back on it later. And, you know, I do that every now and then. I go back and look at, look on, at things. But it's like, in a, in a way, whilst it's sad, it's also a good thing because, uh, you know, I don't want to just be uh, sitting there and lording it up about how great I am. Um, I, I like the idea that I take, well, at least to a, to a point, can take these things in my stride and then just continue to move on, right? It's like, this is a good thing that happened. I'm really happy that I did it. Now what? Now what? Yeah, yeah, I hear that. But if it wasn't for the fact that I'm about 15 feet away, away from a sleeping baby, I would give you a very emphatic standing ovation. Instead, I will just quietly say... I appreciate that. Yeah, and so if you're listening to this now, rewind and give Mike your own applause, if you please. So then, it, you know... If everybody listens at just the right time, we all listen really carefully. Right. It'll be perfect. We'll hear each other. We will shake the earth. Uh, speaking of traveling the earth, kind of, sort of, I'm a professional, uh, you're going on a trip soon. Yes. Uh, in a couple of days' time, I'm making uh, my first trip to the United States of 2016. USA. USA. Sorry, carry on. My first trip to the Lone Star State. That will be an adventure, my friend. I've not been to, to the area in which you're going, but... I have lived in the Lone Star State many, many years ago for a couple of years. And if you think Americans are obnoxiously proud of being American, oh, my friend, you haven't seen anything yet because you have never seen a Texan. They are more proud of being Texans than they are of Americans, in my experience. It is impressive. I'm not sure how many Texans I'm going to actually meet. Eh, fair so point. I'm going to Dallas. Um, I'm going for Matt Alexander's wedding. Um, so I'm going to be there for a few days with some friends, which I'm very excited about. But there's going to be quite a few British people there, yeah, and sure. then a bunch of young people. And obviously, there'll be some of Matt's family. And uh, Matt is Matt's family, I believe, come from Texas. I think that's right. Um, so you know, there's going to be some people, but I don't think it's going to be too too many people. I, I'm I'm very excited. I, I'm looking forward to making a, a trip of this nature. Um, this is the first time that I've gotten together with a group of internet friends, you know, pe- friends that I met online and have met and then have like, you know, have started to work with where we're getting together for a a real life occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no conference in the middle of it. Uh, there's no event. We're all getting together for a wedding which yeah. is a very normal thing to do it's not a very internet-y thing to do right no i mean and it would be the first time that i've done things that something like this i mean i've gone to visit friends stay with friends that kind of thing but i mean like for, for like a gathering of us uh, a gathering of people to get together um it, that this is a, this is a different thing and i'm frankly very excited uh, about it because of that yeah. Yeah. I, I don't blame you. We um have fallen into a tradition with the ATP uh, uh, folks of meeting up somewhere over the holidays. We didn't we weren't able to do it year before last because Declan was like two months old. But um, we did it the year before that. And we did it last year. And last year, uh, the underscores joined us as well. And 
there is something really awesome about having all of you together for a reason that isn't directly doing nerd things. You know, to be able to do something, like you said, that's kind of normal yeah. and not internet-y is pretty awesome. And so I'm really looking forward to this on your behalf because I think that um, it should be a whole lot of fun and I'm super duper jealous. Yeah, and I think, you know, as I say, like I've I've visited friends, I've stayed with friends in that kind of way that you mentioned, but the idea of one of us going through a big life event that we're all mm. going to be able mm -hmm. to be there and celebrate with, I think that's what makes this a little bit special for me. Um, that you know, I'm going to see my buddy get married. It's uh, that's like a whole, it's like a whole big thing. Casey, do you cry at weddings? Um, I always get teary eyed. I can't recall ever having cried at one. However, um, my younger, my immediate younger brother, I'm the eldest of three boys. My immediate younger brother is getting married in um, in about a month, month and a half. And um, I'm curious to see how I handle that because that'll be my first sibling to have gotten married and I might lose it. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I wait, I cry more. I'm more likely to cry at happy things than sad things. So I expect to be crying during the wedding. I wouldn't blame you. That is just how my tear ducts are wired. <laughs> Any other follow-up? Yes, uh, there was something, a correction, potentially. Uh, Archie wrote in uh, to mention last week uh, we had some follow-up uh, from someone called Ryoko, or Ryoko, uh, and I believe that they were from Japan. And Archie has written in to say that uh, I referred to uh, Ryoko as he, and that name is traditionally a woman's name, and so I should not have done that. So, uh, Ryoko, I apologize if I uh, referred to you incorrectly, uh, and I should have been more sensitive of that, and I apologize again. Uh, you know, everyone makes mistakes, but at least we get it right in follow-up, hopefully, maybe. It, it was one of those scenarios where, as I was doing it, I had that one brief moment where I was like, am I getting this right? But I just kind of went with it anyway and made the wrong decision. Yeah, well, stuff happens, but you know, here we are fixing it, so it's all good. And let's celebrate that by talking about something awesome. This episode of Analog is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Do you have a career plan set in motion? Whether you're looking to start a career in IT or you're already working in the field, certifications and credentials are the key to getting a job or promotion. IT Pro TV's mission is education through engagement with up-to-date, high-quality video content and access to the most important tools you need for certification. IT Pro TV includes over 1,000 hours of content with 50 hours being added every single week. Streamed live and on demand worldwide to your Chromecast, Roku, PC or mobile device. Course topics include Microsoft Technology Certification, Apple Certified Support Professional, Ethical Hacking, AWS Virtualization, Google Apps for Work Administration, uh, Google Groups for Business, plus Desktop and Server Support for OS X, Windows, and Linux. IT Pro TV is now offering new courses on Cloud Plus and Active Directory in Azure, plus Cisco ASA Express Security with Todd Lamley. All courses are transcribed. You can watch from start to finish or jump to the part that you're looking for. And it includes 100 or over 100 step-by-step -step virtual machine labs and transcender practice exams, which have over a $109 value. There's just one low monthly subscription price with a no-hassle cancellation policy. If you're studying of a book or enrolled in a certification or a technical degree program, this is a fantastic supplement to learn at your own pace and track your progress and it's much cheaper than a boot camp. If you're a working IT pro, this is an ongoing resource that you're going to need to keep your skills current. They have corporate and group pricing available, and some of IT Pro TV's clients include Harvard, MIT, UCSD, Stanford, and more. So I was looking around IT Pro TV's site, and the thing that really um, interested me the most about what they do, because a lot of this stuff is over my head, but I was sampling some of the courses and taking a look. It feels like video training podcasts. Oh, really? So they stream all their stuff live. They have a chat room. 
And then those live streams are turned into video content. They have a really quick turnaround. So they, like, say say there's a big security exploit or something. They will do some kind of security episode about it. And then they will get, and they will all be streamed live. And they'll have questions in the chat room like how we do. And then they turn it around within a couple of days and have it out for people to go and watch. It It feels like a really interesting approach. And I think if you are somebody that enjoys podcasts and you are interested in learning more about this type of stuff, I think that this is the service that will make a lot of sense for you. So go to itpro.tv slash analog to upgrade your brain with the most popular IT certifications. Premium subscriptions are normally $57 a month or $570 a year, but we have a special offer. You can try it for free for seven days when you sign up using our code analog30. That's a-N-A-L-O-G-U-E-3-0 to check out their courses, live stream, and more, and you'll get it for free for seven days. And you'll also receive 30% off the lifetime of your account if you sign up. That's less than $40 a month or $399 for the year. So that's itpro.tv slash analog and the code analog30 to try it for free for seven days and save 30%. Thank you so much to ITProTV for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we have... Um sort of an interesting and, and maybe even a little bit awkward topic that both of us really want to talk about. And did I send you this link or did you send this to me? I thought I sent it to you. It was sent to us both by Twitter. Okay. Okay. Um, so this is Becky Hansmeyer and I probably have mispronounced that and I apologize if so. Um, but she wrote a post called Slack is making my Twitter sad and, yep. and as we sit here tonight, this was a week and a half, two weeks ago. And it's not a very long post, but I'd like to read, or Mike, if you'd prefer to, since you, you're the one who pasted it in here, if you wouldn't mind reading um, what, what you've called out, because I think it's really important to get to the gist of what Becky's saying. So Becky wrote this post, um, it would seem, after reading about Stephen Fry quitting Twitter. And I think for us to discuss it properly, as you say, it's beneficial, I think, to read the post in its entirety. It's not long, so uh, this is this is from Becky. I follow a lot of iOS developers, tech journalists, and podcast hosts on Twitter. Lately, I've sensed a change in how many of them use the service, and several of them have mentioned it. What used to be a steady stream of jokes, opinions, and silly banter between friends has slowed to a trickle of safe, carefully edited statements. And I get it. I really do. Twitter is a toxic environment, especially for minorities and people with lots of followers. As your follower, I know I'm not entitled to your wit or opinions or to know what's going on in your private life. You're a human being and you have every right to step away from the raging dumpster fire of humanity that is Twitter. <laughs> it's just I miss you. I miss reading what you have to say. I miss feeling vaguely part of all your weird in-jokes. I live in the middle of nowhere where there is no developer community. And even though I'm never act I never actually tweet at any of you, hearting your tweets gives me a small sense of belonging. I realize that sounds sad, but it's true. So by all means, enjoy the private party bus that is Slack. But every once in a while, consider getting off the bus and letting the rest of us party with you too. I thought this was a really great post. Um, it is good. And it really, it both solidified what I think I'd been kind of thinking subconsciously and flipped all of my opinions slightly on their head. <laughs> and in that, I think Becky is right. And I'll speak only for myself, but before Slack, I not only did I not have a very good outlet for, say, you know, bantering with you outside of iMessage, but I didn't have a very good outlet for it. And I don't think I had the audience to really bother that many people by it anyway. But as my audience has grown and yours as well, as we talked about earlier, and as Slack has become a thing and as Twitter has in many ways become an a ever more raging dumpster fire, um, I found myself turning to Slack far more often. And there have been plenty of times that I've almost tweeted something and then thought, yeah, somebody's going to get their junk in a knot over this. I'll just put it in Slack where I know it's safe. And to me, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do because I don't deserve to get a lot of drive-by hate over something I didn't mean 
poorly, just as Becky said. But Becky's right that in some ways, I'm doing a disservice to the people that are interested in what I have to say by not saying that publicly. And I don't know, I don't know what the fix is about this. I don't know where to go from here. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? I'm struggling with this one a little bit. I got to say, and the the reason that I struggle with it is that I feel the sensitivity in it. But I also think about me and you as people. Okay. So I when I say I feel the sensitivity in it, like I I understand what Becky is saying. I understand how other people feel about people that they like to follow. I understand how people feel that are Stephen Fry fans, for example. But I don't have to have my conversations with you in public. No, you certainly don't. I don't have to make all of my jokes with you in public. Like, I don't have to do anything, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I just want to preface this. I know that nobody's saying that. At least Becky's not saying that. But I just want to make that point. And I think it's important because the idea that me and you have to have conversations in public that are now being held in private doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like, we have the conversations that we have wherever we have them. And... I wouldn't say that I necessarily have stopped this kind of interaction, but I know it's definitely less. Uh, And I've noticed that I and the people that I work with refer to Slack more often. And I really do see how this is kind of like putting a you're not allowed sign on a clubhouse door. Mm -hmm. I mean, I appreciate both sides of this, I think. Um, As being someone who really hasn't been inside the clubhouse for very long. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree in in all counts. Because I have wanted to be inside the clubhouse for a, a long a lot longer than I've been inside of it, right? Mhm. Um and I get the notion that it's like of it being frustrating or sad. Uh, but I guess it's t- it's t- it's tough to live in public, as as we do, and and things like this show definitely don't make that any easier on me or you, um, because we say a lot of things that maybe we shouldn't. Uh, but we lucky that we have quite a great audience of people who don't use that against us too often. You can see I'm str- I'm struggling with this. Yeah, I am struggling with this. I understand it, and I, I also struggle with it because I think my tepper, temperament is that I'd like, I'd like us all to skip and hold hands. What I mean by that is I'd like to be able to say stupid stuff on Twitter to you and, and, and some of our other friends and, and, you know, and some of the Relay hosts and know that it's going to be taken in the in the way I mean it. You know, if I say something mean to you, 99.9, if not 100% of the time, I'm doing it to be funny. Like, as a matter of fact, this uh, just happened between you and I um, about a week ago. I'd said, you probably remember specifically what, oh, it was about the uh, pen stuff. I had said, it actually wasn't a joke, but I was trying to say to you, um, on Twitter, and maybe we'll dig up the link, but it's really not relevant. Suffice to say, I tried to say to you on Twitter, you know, do you really think that it was you and Gray that made an empirical difference on on whether or not the pen can be used, or excuse me, the pencil, the Apple Pencil can be used for, you know, general user interaction? And when I was tweeting it, I was like, eh, I know I don't mean this to be a jerk. And I'm pretty sure Mike knows I'm not trying to be a jerk. But... Oh man, if this if this comes across me being a jerk, I don't, I just don't want to deal with all that. See, I was to you. Yeah, I thought you might be uh, when when we talked, and that's why I took yeah. it to relay or I took it to Slack to talk about it because I didn't want you right. to think, I, I I didn't want it to be taken the wrong way, and as it turns out, I, I guess it was taken the wrong way. But 
But that's I bring this up partially to publicly apologize because I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but I succeeded. <laughs> but partially to say that's part of the reason why I don't go to to Twitter for these things. Now, as it turns out, you know, you got bothered by it anyways, and that would have happened in Slack just as much as it would have happened on Twitter. But what if you didn't care and you took, you know, you you realized, oh, I was just asking a question, but everyone around us was like, golly, Casey's an idiot, and what a jerk. Right, but here, this is such a great example, because what people saw that day was me and you have a interaction that should have been private. Yeah, I guess so. Because you said something to me which I felt like you were being a dick. <laughs> right? Yeah, I can and I can totally understand why you felt that way. It genuinely was not my intention, but I can totally understand why you felt that way. And I clearly responded to you as someone who was annoyed at you. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of just a couple of tweets that went backwards and forwards before we then took that conversation privately in Slack, yes, but it was one-on-one and we hashed it out Mm -hmm. and it was fine because you explained to me the thinking that you couldn't fit in the 120 characters (laughs) you had left. (laughs) Right, Right, right. Or that maybe you didn't want to say in public mm-hmm. because they were an emotional feeling of yours. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is a perfect example of this because we are very close friends. We have a show like this. We have mutual listeners that really enjoy our friendship. And they maybe saw something that they didn't want to see mm-hmm. because we chose. Or at least yeah, you chose. I was about to say, I don't know if it was we, but go ahead. Well, no, because I didn't, because I also just decided I was going to go with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't go to Slack immediately. Mm-hmm. I decided to show you that you denied me. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. So we had that conversation in front, in front of potentially many thousands of people mm-hmm. who follow us mutually. Now, we shouldn't have done that. And we don't have to do that. So why should we not be having these conversations in private, right? Which is what we are doing now. But what it is doing is it's also making the fun, stupid conversations also private. Yeah, they're, they're kind of collateral damage in this, right? It, both, in both directions. Yeah, and, and it's too bad because... I want to have those fun conversations with you and and other friends in public. But I think the problem that, or the the feeling I have, which maybe is fair and maybe isn't, is that as we, and when I say we, I mean not only you and I, but the, the, the people that you and I tend to interact with, as we gain more and more followers, there are more and more opportunities for something meant honestly to be taken poorly. So let's go back to this example. Let's say, again, that you didn't take offense at this, which I genuinely, again, am sorry to have to have given you offense. I don't know what the phrase I'm looking for here is, but to have offended Apologies you. is, is it's not necessary. Well, now, still. Like. Um, but anyway, so, let's, so you, let's say you weren't offended, but somebody drives by and is like, God, Casey, you're a dick. Or just anybody thinks it. Or anybody thinks it. That doesn't make me feel good. And if, again, in this hypothetical where you weren't bothered by it, it probably wouldn't make you feel good either. If you said something to me and I was like, oh, ha, ha, I get, I know what he's saying there. He's just being silly. But then somebody drives by and is like, God, Mike's an asshole. I would be bothered by that just Mm -hmm. almost as much as you would. And, And so... And I think that the point I'm driving at is the more followers you have, the more chances you have for that conversation to take a turn for the worse. And that's a bummer. And so on the one side, I don't want to take away from Becky and others the feeling of being part of the of the cool kid crowd, if you'll if you'll permit me to be as obnoxious as to self-describe that way in this case. Um, 
I want her to feel like she's she's getting part of the in jokes. I I want her to see that banter between us. I want to be able to laugh with her about something stupid we said on Twitter if we ever meet in person. But it's not, and I and I'm embarrassed to say this, but it's not worth it to me for cool people like Becky to be a part of these things to deal with all the bullshit that I have to along the way, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's, God, does that suck, right? It sucks for us. And it doubly sucks for people like Becky who have done nothing wrong. And in fact, I wanted to talk about, I'll just bring it up right now. I thought that this was an unbelievably lovely way to write a critical post. You and I both have seen, and in many cases received lots of posts, both Twitter and blog about something we've said that's wrong or incorrect or unjustifiable or what have you. And I cannot recall a time that someone has been as level-headed as Becky has been and has thought about both sides of this coin as much as she, as much as she did. And so I do want to commend Becky whether or not this conversation is doing anything for you. Uh, I really do appreciate the fact that she really, really did put thought into this and didn't just come out slinging, you know, da- daggers and arrows at us like most people on the internet tend to do. So I do want to thank you, Becky, for, for, for writing a, a lovely post like that. And uh, hopefully people, if you disagree with us, use her as an example of how to do that in a respectful way that, because her, her post bothered me in that I feel guilty about it, but it didn't bother me in the fact that I was offended by it. I also didn't feel like I was having my arm twisted. Right. Yes. Very good point. So I want to um, talk about one other little part of this, which uh, I think is causing some misdirection, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Whilst Slack is becoming more of a place for me to communicate with my friends, my change in attitude to communication on Twitter is not necessarily related to Slack. These mm-hmm. That was a different thing for me, which listeners of this show, I think, will appreciate, that was has been a journey that I've gone on this year in the way that I interact with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, so that changed for me, and just some of the things that I post are different now. Um, I'm a little bit more serious than I was before, I still do stupid things because that's kind of part of me. Like, I can't not be silly. But I am more measured in the things that I respond to and I'm more measured in the things that I share than I have been before just because I am becoming more and more aware of the trail that I leave online in Mm. public Mm -hmm. and how at some point in my future that could be a problem for me. Why do you say that? I'm just trying to be more measured about what I am putting out there in a form that can be found later and referenced later and brought up later or that somebody could use against me to try and make me feel sad or bad about something. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to be... I'm trying to think more about arguing with people um like i'm being more silly about it as opposed to more emotional about it like i had a guy the other day um and uh he was really upset at me because i prefer console games to pc games Mm -hmm. um so i kept sending him emoji (laughs) (laughs) every time he'd send me a tweet i just send him a different emoji back (laughs) because it was like you know just like you don't even follow me just go away like uh, you know and so uh, i but i still feel i still had that part of me that was like i don't want to let i don't want to give this guy the satisfaction of saying this and thinking he won right like i still had that mm-hmm. so i felt like i had to respond somehow so i tried one very calm response to him and it didn't do anything it just made him worse, and I just started sending dancing girl emojis at him. <laughs> because at the time, it's just like this is this is the thing that I want to do, so I did that. But but that was instead of me going down the rabbit hole of trying to argue every point with a guy, right? Mm-hmm. 
So that, that's what I mean. Like, I'm just trying to be a little bit... I'm just trying to think differently about how I interact online and looking at people that have much larger audiences than me and seeing how they interact with social networks um, and thinking about what lessons I will want to take from them. And one of those lessons is being a bit smarter about the way I use Twitter because unfortunately it is turning into a bit of a cesspool uh, as much as I love it and continue to use it and will use it until it is broken and doesn't work anymore, I just know that over time, the way that I use it is going to change. So, like, one thing that is for me, like, I am still being who I am on Twitter, but I'm just having less public interactions on Twitter. That That's one of the things that I'm doing now. Um, and it's not because I want to exclude anyone. And it makes me sad to think that people feel sad um, in that they don't get to see the interactions that they once saw. Uh, and, and I'm going to be mindful of that, I think. But it, it, this is just part of me thinking about my own life and happiness and making a change because of that. Not trying to make anyone feel bad. Yeah, it's just, it's a lose-lose, right? Because... There, yeah, there is no, the only winning move is not to play. See what you did there, reference acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough because, you know, in a perfect world, I think you and I would love to continue to have that stupid banter between us on Twitter. but Which we still do. Some, It's just yeah. not as much. Mm-hmm. Which maybe everyone's thanking us for and we don't realize it. But, uh, but no, it, I, in a perfect world, I'd love to treat Twitter like I did, you know, in 2013 or whatever when I had far fewer followers as did you and and nobody really cared what i had to say and not that many people do now but i at least i feel the pressure of people caring more what i have to say now whether or not that's based in reality and um and that's and that's tough and in a perfect world i'd love to just treat it like i did before and it sucks that i feel like i have to be extremely deliberate when i tweet now in a way i never used to a couple of years ago. And I think you made a good point, Mike. Some of that is because we have bigger audiences, but a lot of that is because Twitter is kind of, what did uh, Becky call it? A, a dumpster fire. Um, it, yeah. it is a bit of a raging dumpster fire now. And I think a lot more people are coming to Twitter to find arguments and pick arguments than ever before. And that's, that's also unfortunate. So I do like Mike feel bad about this, but on the same side, I can't say I plan to treat it any differently. Are there any other options we really have? Like, what else could we do to fix this? You know, like, could we, or well, Becky had suggested a Relay FM member Slack. You know, maybe that's a membership perk. Have you, have you and Steven thought about that? I thought about it more. Um, I think I I brought it up once and we had a conversation about it, which kind of makes sense. And so this is kind of my feeling on it mainly now. There is a pen addict slack that Brad runs, but I am never in there because I am a member of like four or five slack groups, two or three of them I check with uh, with some kind of frequency and the one that I'm in the most is the slack room for my business and I'm running my business and talking to people right right now I don't think that I would be able to give people what they want from this kind of community like I don't think I would be able to spend enough time in it and then and so I don't really know if it's the right thing to do right now. And also as well, I don't want to ask the other hosts on the network to feel like they have to devote their time to something. I also especially don't want to do it as a member's perk because of the implied connection between money and access. Oh, interesting point. Yep, yep, yep. So don't get me wrong. I would like there to be some kind of place but I actually don't think Slack is the right place. Mm-hmm. So maybe someday, but not right now. I mean, my ideal 
scenario, it would be some other kind of community tool. Uh, maybe more akin to something like a forum, but not as old school. But I actually don't think that Slack is right for this. I've been a part of some Slacks that are large, and that it's just a nightmare. It's an, it's an absolute nightmare. Like the pe- one of the reasons that I can't, I don't keep up with the pen addict Slack is because I can't. It would have to be the Slack that I spend the most of my time in. Yeah, and I can't do that, especially amongst nerds. Um, creating a Slack for your particular circle of friends seems to be the cool kid thing to do. And so I am a member of eight slacks, two of which are work, one of oh which is gosh. relay. And then a bunch of others of those, I pay attention to the work ones in relay. And it's not that I don't like the others. I'll at least glance at the others from time to time, but there's a couple, especially that are very high volume, which is the, the same impression I'm getting over the pen addict slack. And I just, I can't keep up with it. So if I get a mention, I'll fly in and you know, I'll swoop in and reply and then swoop out. But it's just there's slack overload and and maybe that isn't the case for listeners and that's fine but just like you said mike we wouldn't be delivering what you want as a listener because we probably wouldn't be in there very often and that's kind of defeating the whole purpose i don't know it's just it's a such a crummy situation because everyone's right and everyone's wrong and i don't know what the fix is i don't know if there is one yeah there may not be so I. This was a great post. It's very really much so. made us both think a lot. I think one of the things that I'm going to try and be most cautious of is saying said in Slack. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, I, I want to try and think about that. The thing is, though, I don't know if people feel that way about said in iMessage because we always said that to each other, like on this show. Because mm-hmm. before Slack, me and you spoke all day in iMessage. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't changed. The majority of mine and your interaction is in one of the two one-on-one Slack rooms that we have. Yeah, so we have the direct channels. messages between you and I, which is just general banter. And then we try to keep stuff in the analog room, which is just the two of us. We try to keep that show related. So, you know, if we need to refer back to something or if we're ever curious about something quote unquote official that we discussed, it would it would almost certainly be in the analog room. But for just general goofing off, we have direct messages. And that's where we spend most of our time. And you're right that before Slack, we would talk on iMessage constantly. I think to me, the difference between saying, oh, we discussed it in iMessage versus we discussed it in Slack is that iMessage tends to be, I know it's not exclusively the case, but it tends to be one-on-one. 95% of the iMessage conversations I have are one-on-one. And Slack tends to be more community or small group oriented. So there's an implication that when you that when one of us says, oh, we were talking in Slack, that that means we were talking in the general host channel that all of us are in. Now, that isn't actually the case most of the time, but if I were a listener, that's what I would think. Um, and I think that that may be the difference and why it's perhaps a little bit bothersome is that it impli- when you're on Slack, it implies that you're doing this in front of many people. And when you say iMessage, it implies that you're doing yeah. it in front of only one person. That's an excellent point because I think it's just the connotation of you're saying it in Slack, oh, Everyone's sitting around a campfire looking at each other. Right, right. I know, but again, I I know I said it before. What a great post and uh, a very thought-provoking post. And um, I'm not even sure if uh, Becky listens to the show, but we'll have to uh, call it to her attention because um, I I really We know she is at least a listener. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because Becky suggested the Real AFM member Slack. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I really appreciate this post. I thought it was really, really well done. And God, if all of the critical posts... If all the posts written about me that are critical were written this well, I would be a much happier person. Oh, God, this was so much better done than everything else I've read. So I appreciate it. Yeah, two things. Complete, well, this might be three things. I completely agree with that. Two, I would love to know what Becky thinks about this conversation. Three, I'm sorry yeah. about this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I agree. I'm sure it was terrible. Uh, because that is how these things tend to roll. One of the reasons I think it's terrible is I had a bunch of notes written out 
and I said most of what was in there, but I had a lot of new feels that I didn't have this morning, <laughs> which was the whole first part of me talking. Right. Um, which was the kind of, in a nutshell, like if I was going to throw my toys out of the pram, is I don't owe you guys anything, which is not how I feel. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's the easiest way to sum it up is I don't have to have any of these conversations in public. Right. That That, that was it. Although I don't think I actually do feel that way. But, I guess that was the easiest way to sum it up. Yeah. All right. Let's turn this round upside down. Let's talk about something awesome. This week's episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code FEELS, F-E-E-L-S, at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you, because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. With Squarespace, you're able to build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level, no coding experience required. They have stunning state-of-the-art templates that feature responsive design to make sure your site looks great on all sizes of device. And they have state-of-the-art technology to power your site too, to ensure security and stability at all times. They have 24-7 support. They have a commerce platform to allow you to sell stuff. They have rock-solid fast hosting they have domains that you can get your hands on if you uh, sign up for a year you'll get a free one and they have so much more squarespace is the total package for anybody looking to put something on the internet their plans start at just eight dollars a month and you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required and start building your own website today by going to squarespace.com when you decide to sign up make sure that you use the offer code feels at checkout that's f-e-e-l-s you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase and show your support for analog thank you so much to squarespace for their continued support of this show a real FM. All right, so we have a uh, kind of brief topic that we, that's sort of follow up, but sort of not, and it's LinkedIn. And we had talked last episode about my new job and how I had said, "Oh, you know, I either I don't have my job information on LinkedIn, or um, I, I don't plan to keep it there, or something like that." I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, we were tweeted, or I was tweeted by, and you've pronounced his name properly, so I'll let you fill in his name, please. I think it's Bahish. Okay, thank you. I didn't want to mess it up because I knew you'd done it in the past. I've probably done it wrong now. Well, well, last time you did it right. So worst case, you're at 50%. Um, So he had said, hey, guess what? In a very nice way. He said, hey, guess what, tough guy? Uh, That stuff's still public. So (laughs) I, um, I went back and looked and it was public for, um, for people who were searching for me that were not logged into the site. And I have since fixed that, fixed that. My understanding, though, somebody else tweeted at me, and I don't have that tweet handy, so I apologize, but somebody else tweeted and said, well, when you're logged in, it's still public. (sighs) That's not really what I want. I mean, it's fine, I guess, but not my my intention. My intention was to have basically only people who knew me or, you know, knew a friend of mine, kind of Facebook style, would be able to see the details of where I work. I don't know why I'm so crazy about this. It really shouldn't matter, but... um, but yeah, so living in public, my friend. Yeah, everything is public, and even if it shouldn't be. So, I I need to go back. I just haven't had the chance to look into that and see if I can lock that down. But um, I I guess part of the thing is I don't even really use LinkedIn. Like any job I've found, with the exception of the very first job I ever had, um, I've gotten because a friend. I shouldn't say I've gotten it, but I've gotten in the door because a friend has worked there. So. Yeah. I don't really use LinkedIn for what I think it's perhaps supposed to be used for, which is, you know, recruiting and landing a job and things like that. Um, so I don't really pay much attention to it. But I don't know. How do you use it? Especially as like an right. independent business owner. Just quickly is that we'll come back to it in one second. I think part of the problem you're struggling with with LinkedIn is what LinkedIn what you're trying to do goes against the whole point of LinkedIn's existence. Yeah, yeah. Right? Why would you be hiding what you do from people that don't know you? Yeah. That's not what LinkedIn is for. Yeah, yeah, good point. So I would be surprised if you're able to find a way to hide that information. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, why are you using it, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a fair point. And maybe the right answer is maybe I should just pull myself off LinkedIn. Like, I don't even know why I'm there just because it feels so like a social obligation. 
I joined LinkedIn when I quit my job. Well, I'd had an account, but I didn't put anything on it. Uh, because what I did for a living, I didn't really want people to know anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, you're not supposed to tell people what you do um, when you work for a company like the one I worked for, mm-hmm. for security reasons. Um, but what do I use LinkedIn for now? I use LinkedIn for actual business connections of people I've interacted with. Hmm. Which doesn't sound crazy, mm-hmm. right? But it's, that seems to not be what everybody uses LinkedIn for anyway. I get a few a week, maybe more than that, maybe one or two every couple of days, requests from people that I don't know, that I have never met, mm-hmm. that aren't in what I looks seems to me like a related industry. Like, I've sometimes gotten a LinkedIn request from somebody that says that they are an ad sales manager at X and X advertising network. Mm-hmm. Like, I might accept your request because there could be some business that we could do, right? <laughs> You know, but I get requests from like such and such person, biochemist. I'm like, why are we, what business are me and you ever going to do together, my friend? Yep. And what frustrates me the most is you just get an invitation to connect and these, and nobody says why. Oh, like, God. why do you want to, if I don't know you, if me and you have never met, uh, I want you to say something. It doesn't mean you're going to get a response from me. But why are you here? Like, I don't get it. I don't treat LinkedIn like any other social network. Um, Like, you don't just follow me. Because as well, like, you're not following. You have to... There is like a two-way exchange here of of, an inf- of information. Like, like, so you remember Peach... Mhm. Mhm. Um so that was one where I didn't want to just accept requests from everybody because it was more of a two-way street. Like someone would send you a request and you would say yes to that request and you'd be sharing information as opposed to someone just following you. Right. So I just stopped saying yes to everyone because it was like what well, I sit here and like just clear out an inbox. It wasn't a lot, but it was like in those sort of scenarios, it makes me stop and think a little bit more about what you what the social network is about. Like if if inherently the social network is built on a request and an acceptance, I think that you need to re- you need to think about what you're expected to be sharing. Facebook is an example uh, that that springs to mind. I think again people use this the way that they want to, but this is another one where it's like, I don't even accept Facebook friend requests from people I know that I went to school with unless <laughs> I want to be Facebook friends with them. You know, that that's just the way that I approach these types of things where there is a, where there is a request and, and a request that is to be granted or denied. It is just a different type of thing to Twitter where it's like, you follow me, by and large, I can't stop you because I choose not to have a private account. So the information that goes out to here is maybe different. Like maybe I don't post my holiday photos. Maybe I don't have my business telephone number. You know? Mm-hmm. Different things on here. And I kind of treat LinkedIn like Facebook anyway, sort of like from a functional perspective. I have an account because everyone is there. I don't contribute any information to the network. I don't post anything to either of them. I go to both of them where I have a notification of some kind that I need to respond to, and I set up my notifications for both very specifically to only get notified about the things I want to be notified about. Right, right. So in a nutshell, I don't like LinkedIn. I like LinkedIn (laughs) as much as I like Facebook, which is not very much. One day we will talk about Facebook on this show. And my approach to Facebook and why I feel the way I feel about it, because I have very strong feelings about it. Not the company. I have actually quite positive feelings about the company. I have negative feelings about Facebook culture. Um, But yeah, I, I don't 
I don't use LinkedIn the way that anybody else uses LinkedIn. I use it in the way that makes the most sense to me, which is not to really use it that much. Yeah, and like I said, I, I barely use it as well. And as you were talking, I went spelunking into the um, LinkedIn privacy settings and whatnot, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I didn't think of it that way until you said something, but I don't think they'll let me lock down to just like friends of friends who it is I work for. Maybe it's there and I just can't find it. But um, I think you're right in that it's really kind of taking away the whole point of LinkedIn. And as such, um, they're not going to allow that. I'd also like to um, double down on what you said earlier about um, I'd like to join your professional network on LinkedIn, says random stranger who I have no idea who you are. That drives me berserk. Why? No, tell me why. And half the time it's recruiters whose job is to sell me on whatever it is company they work for. And they'll just randomly say, oh, boop, yes, I'd like to be buddies, friends, whatever, con contacts with Casey. And they don't say anything. And Oh, my God, it drives me berserk. I, I just, I do not understand LinkedIn. It's okay, though. I don't know. Any other thoughts on this? No, not right now. All right, let's, um, let's do a one or two quick relay your feels, then let's call it a day. Yeah, let's pick one because uh, there was one that I was interested in. And Carl wrote in to say um, to you, Casey, I love your iOS Day X tweets. Any plans to keep an iOS journal as you learn like Brent Simmons has? First off, can you explain both of those things? Sure. So uh, we'll have to dig it up and put a link in the show notes. Um, but there's been two or three tweets that I've made about different realizations I've had with regard to iOS development as I've been learning. And... Um, Things that I just have thought were really cool or sometimes not so cool, like when Xcode crashes. But um, I've tweeted about it as I've been going through the first few weeks of employment at this new job. And those are my iOS Day X tweets. Um, Any plans to keep an iOS journal as you learn like Brent Simmons? So Brent Simmons is a very prominent um, uh, Objective-C developer and or I guess Apple developers, a better way of phrasing it. And um, he has kept or had been keeping a, a diary about things he was learning when he was learning Swift, kind of similar to my day X tweets. Uh, and those are still up for posterity. We'll put a link in the show notes. They're very, very interesting to read even before I was ever employed at my current job. Um, really well done. Brent's a great writer and a really great developer. After Carl had tweeted this, by pure happenstance, I decided to write kind of my first Swift diary post, if you will. Um, that one is called Enumerating the Ways I Love Swift Enumerations, which was written uh, this past Saturday as we record. So a week ago Saturday as this episode is released. And um, it's talking about one of the neat features in Swift that's unlike anything else I've seen in, in any other languages I've worked in. I don't know if I'm going to keep this as a regular thing. Um, I'd like to, as I feel like I run into things that are worth writing about, but I don't want to make any sort of guarantees or anything like that. I mean, I do say in my post that I took some inspiration from Brent Simmons' Swift Diary, um, and I said there's a few things uh, about Swift that are deserving of praise, and I plan to call them out as I'm learning the language. That is true, but if I only have one other thing that I think is worth calling out, then that's the only other thing I'll write about. You know, I don't have any any plan for a specific number of posts or anything like that. But it was a really interesting post to write because I have enough of an audience that they're, I can't really justifiably assume that everyone is a developer. I mean, you're a perfect example. You're a smart guy who's in on the industry, but you don't write code. And so I was trying, you know, in the, in the way that Merlin and John talked about, you know, your, I forget how they phrased it, but in that famous South by Southwest talk, you know, who are you writing for that kind of mythical audience? And in many ways, Mike, you were that audience for this post because I wanted it to be a post that if you chose to read it, it would make enough sense for you to sort of kind of get what I was driving at. And hopefully if you did read it, you at least kind of understood it, but I hope that if I continue to do this, that I can make them general and, and generic enough mm. that, that non-developers can get something out of it. I feel like I should read it now. I mean, I didn't read it because I wasn't interested. Sure, and that's totally uh, in fair. Swift, Swift enumerations. Um, but I'm pleased that you're doing this uh, because I think that this is an important part of Casey Liss's evolution, mm -hmm. personally, um, kind of putting yourself out there as somebody who will 
become very knowledgeable about Swift, more knowledgeable than many people in the community because you are using it every day. Right, right. Uh, where, you know, Marco isn't. Um, Marco and David uh, had a great episode of Under the Radar recently where they both basically said, we're not doing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are. Right. So, you know, I, I think that that is a, an interesting thing for you um, going forward. And I'm pleased that you are uh, writing about it, and I'm pleased that you are uh, being vocal about the way that you're feeling about learning this stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it helps to it helps to learn in public if you're willing to do so, because you can write about these things. And if you're wrong, people can challenge you. And if you're right, people can say, wow, that's interesting. I had no idea. So in, in the same way that Becky's conversation was kind of a lose-lose, uh, this is in many ways a win-win. Um, the only downside is sometimes I might say something stupid and then I feel kind of stupid afterwards. But in the grand scheme of things, at least I'm learning. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll, I hope to keep with it, but we'll see. I would like to uh, make a formal request to our audience to send in their Relay Your Feel questions with the hashtag Relay Your Feels uh, so we can answer them on later episodes of the show. Yep. Please do. Hashtag Relay Your Feels. All right. I think we're good.